Our New Testament lesson this morning is going to come from 1 John. We're going to be reading through the book of 1 John together as a church family the next few weeks. So we'll be reading, we're going to be reading all of chapter 1 today, all 10 verses of it. Uh, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our own eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, this life was revealed, and we have seen it and testify to it, and declare to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you that we have seen and heard that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we are still walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> One of the things that I did a lot as a, a child growing up was I spent a fair amount of my summers at camp. Uh, the, main, the main camp I went to was Camp Wesley Pines. I spent, goodness gracious, nearly every summer of my childhood at Camp Wesley Pines. And I can honestly say one of the greatest joys of my life as a pastor was getting to lead my first camp at Wesley Pines years back and getting to preach in the tabernacle. If you know Wesley Pines, you know the tabernacle. That's where we have the worship services at. And it was really cool one day uh, when I got to come back as a preacher and preach my first sermon at the tabernacle, one of the, one of the coolest moments of my life. And so I loved going to Wesley Pines. But that wasn't the only camp. That was the main camp that I went to as a kid, but it wasn't the only camp. Um, there was a season in my life, Tim, where I fancied myself as a basketball player. I, I know you look at me and think, man, look at that guy. He must be a basketball player. He has a vertical, obviously, inches high. Yeah, I've always loved basketball, but, uh, and, I, and I never played in high school. But I, when I was younger, I played a fair amount of basketball grow, growing up when I, was, when I was a child. So I would go to the basketball camp at, at Colin, go Wolfpack. I would go to Colin basketball camp and have a good time. And it was, it was fun. And one of the coolest moments of my time at Colin basketball camp was one summer, they, they would organize, you'd have different, you'd have your five-on-five five teams and your, and your one-on, and you'd have, you'd have like a five-on-five five tournament and a one-on-one -on -one tournament and then a three-on-three -three tournament. And one year, one year, my three-on-three -three team won the entire tournament. And that sounds awesome. And that sounds impressive. But here's what you need to know. There were two other guys on the team both of whom went on to play college basketball, and myself. I was, I leveled the playing field. I was so bad, 
I was so awful. They put me on this team simply to kind of slow down the other two players because if they had had someone even semi-competent on the team, they would, have, they, they would have literally probably not given up a point the entire tournament. They were so good. So they put me on the team, literally. I was on that team because I was so bad. They thought that my presence could help level the playing field, and kind of even out those two guys who were so good. But the secret was my two teammates, my two teammates were so good, it didn't matter that I was that bad. I, I, they were so amazing and so talented and so great that having uh, an anchor like me dragging them down didn't even affect them. They, we still won the tournament. So I'm, I'm a championship-level basketball player, Tim. I'm a champion-level basketball player. I, that's, how good, that's how good I am. Uh, well, it's actually quite the opposite. Uh, I was so bad that they tried to use me to keep it level, and my teammates still succeeded. There are things in life sometimes that you've heard that expression, levels the playing field. Makes everything kind of equal. In John's, 1 John today, we see the great leveler that is sin. How sin levels the playing field. First John is a wonderful book. In the next few weeks in worship over the summer, we're going to be reading the book of First John together. Now, I would invite you, if you're not part of our Rooted in Christ daily reading plan, um, shoot me an email. I'd love to connect you. Uh, we send out a daily text each morning, and that text it, for the next few weeks is going to be walking through First John. So we're going to be getting a lot of First John in our, in our Rooted in Christ daily devotional readings, and then in worship on Sundays. We're going to be going through First John. First John's a great book. It was written by John the Apostle. It's interesting if you, if you kind of match up First John uh, with the Gospel of John, you see so many similarities in language and in content and in, 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 in theology. It's, it's really cool to kind of match it up with, with the Gospel of John and see how they, they fit so well together. But uh, one of the things that John is really concerned with is, you notice he said in this text today, we were witnesses to this. We saw this. We want, you to knew, we want you to know what we saw. We want you to walk as we walked. We want you to experience this. John is trying to impress upon these early Christians, these first Christians, what correct Christian theology is, what correct Christian doctrine is. John is really helping these first generation of Christians to understand the truth of Jesus and to understand the truth of what we know to be true teaching. We are lucky. We're 2,000 years after John and after Jesus' resurrection. We have mountains of books that we can read to learn theology. You can read Wesley or Calvin or Luther or C.S. Lewis or are, are, are thousands of amazing theologians. Well, for John, he was writing to the first generation of Christians, teaching this is what we believe. And so this book is so important because it, it really emphasizes for these first Christians what we should believe, what we should know, what should be true in our lives. And I th that's why I think today's passage is so important because it, it gives us a couple of key things that I think can really help strengthen our Christian life. First, over here and grab my Bible, is what he says in verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we're still walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. This passage talks about forgiveness. We're going to get to one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible about forgiveness. John's talking about sin 
And he, he tells us in verse 8 that if we confess, or verse 8 through 10, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us. But he says, In him we've heard from him, God is lightning and there's no darkness. If we say that we have fellowship with him while walking in darkness, we lie. If we walk in the light, we will have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus. He talks about this notion of lying and walking in darkness. And the danger here walking in darkness. One of them, one of the things that we see in John's gospel is we see in John's gospel this beautiful language of light and dark. If you read John's gospel, you're going to see one of the constant things Jesus does is that Jesus heals the sight of the blind. He helps the blind to see. And you see that darkness is the, the domain of evil, and light is the domain of God. So in John 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night in the darkness. Several times during the crucifixion narrative, you'll see them saying it was dark. They're not just telling you what the sky was like, but they're saying it was dark, it was evil. Darkness is the domain of the devil. Light's the domain of God. So it says here, it says here, if we say we have fellowship with him, while well, we are walking in darkness, we lie. Walking in darkness is not simply having a, is, make, is not simply sin. Because we see here, if we sin, his faithful and just will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Walking in darkness does not imply that we make mistakes, but walking in darkness implies that we seek out evil. I heard somebody say one day, he said, you can't defeat the demons you flirt with. And that's pretty true. To walk in darkness is not simply to make mistakes, because we're all human. We're gonna, if we say we have no sin, we lie, we see that. Walking in darkness implies how closely are we seeking out evil? Are we turning from evil in our life? Are we walking with it? What are we doing? Are we walking with God? Are we seeking God? Are we in a relationship with God? Are we desiring God? Are we spending time with God? Are we, are we in a relationship with him? Are we walking with darkness? Are we spending time with darkness? Are we spending time with our temptations? Are we spending time with evil? Are we actually developing a relationship with evil? Walking in darkness is not facing temptation. Walking with darkness is to make a choice, to make a choice in our lives to live for, with what is evil, to choose knowingly, not to mis make a mistake, because we all make mistakes, but walking in darkness is to see the path of evil, to see the path of sin, and to seek it out, to walk with it, to grow close to it. And y'all, that's dangerous. That's a path that leads to destruction. And that is not God's will for us, and that is not God's plan for us. But that is the siren song of our world. Our world constantly calls us to walk in darkness, to live in darkness, to be in relationship with darkness, to turn away from God, to choose not to walk with God, but to choose to walk in hate, or lust, or pride, or evil. To turn away from the path of God. 
and turn to a path that is full of darkness. So this morning, what path are you walking? Are you walking a path seeking to walk closer each day of your life to Jesus? Are you seeking a path that not only doesn't seek to resist temptation, but seeks to walk closer and closer to sin? If we say, if we say we have fellowship with him while we're walking in darkness, we lie and do not know the truth. If we're walking in darkness, and we don't even seem to care. Y'all, we got to check our hearts. we got to see where we are. But here's the good news. It says, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Because it says we're going to sin. See, this, there's a difference between sin, making mistakes, and walking in darkness. We're all going to sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we, are, we make him a liar. And his word is that is. We're going to sin. The issue, is, the issue is not will we sin. The issue is are we trying to walk with God or are we trying to walk with darkness? Because even walking with God, we're going to sin because we're human. I'm not saying go try to sin. I'm not saying go look for trouble. I'm just saying we're going to make mistakes. And if we're walking with darkness, we're not even going to care that we make mistakes. It's not even going to matter to us. We're going to keep making mistakes because we don't even care. But if we're walking with God, we're going to make mistakes. And you know what's going to happen then? We're going to feel bad about it. We're going to regret it. We're going to have what the Bible calls the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We're going to know that we've sinned and made mistakes. And the Bible says this. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Y'all, what I wouldn't have given to earlier in my life have found that passage. Because for so long I walked around with guilt and sin in my life. Guilt and regret from sins I had committed. we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will cleanse us. You can be forgiven today. You can. You can be forgiven. But why does he, John, tell us to confess? One of my favorite, you know, Tim, I love a good preacher joke. Tell you my favorite preacher joke. I think I may have told this. In, I know I've told it in Bible study. I don't know if I've told it in worship before. My favorite preacher joke. One day, three preachers go out fishing together on a little aluminum boat. We'll make a Methodist, Baptist, and Presbyterian, because that's the three, usually the three punchlines. Methodist, Baptist, and Presbyterian preachers go out fishing. And they're out in this boat. And they're talking about sins and their need to know God better and and one of them says, hey, you know, guys, it'd be good if we, why don't we, why don't we confess our sin to each other? And we can hold each other accountable. 
And that way we can grow close to God. And they all say, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. So the Baptist says, well, I'll go first. Said, I, I, I shouldn't do with this. I, shouldn't, I, should, I feel really sorry for it. But I've, I've been cheating on my wife. And, and I'm really sorry. And I need you guys to hold me accountable and help me. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, we'll, we'll, we'll do this. And the Presbyterian said, well, I, I need to confess that, you know, on Sunday mornings when the offering plate's passed around, I'll reach in and take a little bit of money out of it and put it in my back pocket every, every Sunday. And I'm really sorry about that. I need y'all to pray for me and help me. You know, I confess this. I need y'all to help me. And they go, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll do it. They look over at the Methodist, and he ain't said a word. He's got his hands on the boat, and he's just a shaking. Just a shaking, like it's rocking the boat. The, the water and the waves are roaring. And they look at him and said, well, aren't you going to confess anything? He said, yeah. I got to confess, I love to gossip, and I can't wait to get off this boat. Confession's good for the soul. Here's the thing about confession. Our confession is not for God's benefit. Because God already knows what we've done. God knows our sins. God knows our mistakes. Then why does God want us to confess? Confession is not for God's benefit. Confession is for ours. Because two things happen when we confess. One is that sin loses its power when we confess it out loud. When we say it out loud, it loses its power over us because then we've admitted it. We've taken this, dark, this darkness, this secret, and said it out loud. And we find that God still loves us. Confession releases the power of sin over our hearts. But something as powerful as that is this. Most of us don't like to confess any things. We don't like to confess our sins because, A, it's embarrassing. <laughs> but, B, what are they going to say about me? Are they going to reject me? Are they going to cast me aside? Are they going to push me over? We don't confess because we don't have true community. Because one of the most humbling things in the world, one of the most powerful things in the world, is for you to be with a group of people who love you so much that you can confess your sins and they say, we love you and we're praying for you. That is true love. And most of us don't confess our sins, not just to God, but to each other, because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid they're going to turn aside. We're, gonna, we're afraid they're going to cast us out. That's how much God loves us. We confess our sins. We say, God, I messed up. I chose to, re to do other than your will. I rejected your will. I rejected your way. I, I confess that I have turned aside from you, God. As our confession says in the communion liturgy, we, I have not heard the cry of the needy. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not been obedient. And when we confess our sins to God, we receive the forgiveness of God. And I don't know about you, but I desire folks around me who love me so much that when I confess my failings, they still love me. And the only way, I can, only way we can build that community is for me to love others in that same way. So I want to be part of a community. I want to be part of a church, y'all. 
that does that. There's a great story Philip Yancey tells in this book, What's So Amazing About Grace. One of the things I'm proudest of at our church is that we host one of the largest AA groups in this area. And uh, Yancey tells a story in this book about how he goes to the basement of this church one day where an AA group is meeting, and it's, it's powerful. People are confessing their faults and their sins and they, how they messed up. And they, they confess and they receive forgiveness and they receive, they receive love. They, they receive assurance and all these things. And it's beautiful to see this confession and repentance and love. It's beautiful. And Yancey's blown away by it. And after the meeting's over with, he's talking with one of the leaders. And he says, wow, that was powerful. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. He said, remember, they're in a the basement. He said, did any of y'all ever go up there? Talking about pointing to the church upstairs. They said, no. Not many of us, because we don't think we'll find up there what we have down here. I, I want to walk with you to the point that when you confess your mistakes, I look at you and say, I love you anyway, because that's what God does. And I want you, when I confess my mistakes to you, for you to look at me and say, I love you anyway. True confession doesn't happen apart from community. We need each other, y'all. We need each other. Because we can't know the true love of God till we have confessed to God our sins and heard from God, I love you. And we can't know the true love of our neighbor until we have confessed our sins to our neighbor and heard our neighbor say, I love you. And I can't truly love my neighbor until I've heard my neighbor confess his sins and I say, I love you. And that's what our world needs right now is for us to confess our sins and to love each other in the midst of that. But if we push it down, push our sin, our temptation, our darkness, it will take over our soul. The only path to freedom is to confess and to hear the words of grace saying, I love you. Sin levels the playing field because we're all Sinful and make mistakes. But grace truly levels the playing field because we all find the embrace and the love of our Savior. I love you. But that doesn't matter. It matters that God loves you. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May we love God. May we trust God enough to confess our sins to him and to hear his forgiveness. And may we love each other enough to be a people that when we confess our brokenness to each other, we hear the love, not just from our Savior, but from each other, saying you're forgiven. I love you. May we be a people of grace, mercy, confession, and pardon. Let's pray.